Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Welcome, everyone, to RB1 Colon of Fantasy Football Podcast. Brought to you by Epic Teams, as we always do. I am your humble host, Pete Rogers, joined by, well, for just now, just the miss, the man, the myth, the legend, Ginger Nick. Uh, though we do have a special guest joining us to talk some week four starts and sits. But uh, to start off, I'm glad it's just the two of us, Nick, because uh, I think we both need a little time to reconcile the fact that Sexy Rexy, Rex Goathead, Touchdown Asaurus Rex is no more. Yeah, man, pouring out. It's a, it's a real bummer. That dude had such a cool story. Poor. <laughs> So much out. We had, I mean, myself particularly. So Rex Burkhead, running back for the New England Patriots, was put on IR today with a neck injury. Um, And both Nick and I, myself especially, I had beers invested in this. I said Rex Burkhead was going to be a top top 10, I believe, even back, scoring 15-plus touchdowns this year. (laughs) Loney! That did not come anywhere close. But Nick has also been on this podcast promoting the the uh, gospel of Rex Burkett. So this is a big crushing blow to the both of us. Yeah, oh, I love it. I mean, he was he was a stud last year. He played like 10, quote-unquote, healthy games uh, in 2017 to get eight TDs. The guy's a machine. And, you know, he was being misused in the, in the Bengals' backfield as like their third running back, which is insane considering what he was able to do in his short time in New England. But neck injury, I don't know what specifically the in, or what part of the neck he injured or, or, or what exactly happened there. But I, I hope that he's a candidate for, for returning for one of the two IR yeah. return spots. But I can't imagine. I mean, I, I don't. I, the thing neck. is, he has such a checkered injury history that my worry is that this neck injury is a lot more serious than, uh, than the Patriots are letting on, which I would be not surprised if he was out for the rest of the season and completely crushing every uh, hope and dream that I had for him this year. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't be surprised either. Really just a big blow. So pour some out for old sexy Rexy. That was a swing and a miss on both of our parts. So, you know, injuries happen. And they happen to the best of us. Uh, but before we get into our week four starts and sits, uh, let's take a quick look back um, at our week three lock, since that was something we introduced last week as, you know, wanting to add a little hot and spice to the show, because the show, you know, let's be honest, needs as much hot and spice as we can give it. It's got to be constant hot, constant spice. Um, so let's, we're going to look back and see how we did on those locks. Nick, uh, we'll start with yours, in which you claimed Alvin Kamara would put together his best fantasy performance <laughs> of 2018 last week against the Falcons. Now, this isn't this wasn't uh, too 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 far off. He did have a big game, posting 34 points in standard Yahoo scoring, but sadly, that didn't even beat his Week One score this year. So, <laughs> my fear of having to wait all year to see if you were right, and then losing the actual lock and being too lazy to find it again, and not knowing whether or not it came true, uh, that didn't come to fruition. So, huzzah me! Uh, yeah, I was just trying to make life easy on you. But yeah. I mean, he, finished, he I love yeah, he finishes with the RB4, RB5 last week and Yeah, not bad. I mean, I mean it could have been worse, right? It could have been like you could have just been completely whiffed and he gave you 3 points. And yeah. then I mean, what kind of imbecile would you look like? I mean, it's not like someone later <laughs> in this show predicted that a running back was going to get 15 plus points and then that didn't happen. Uh teaser/spoiler <laughs> alert. Uh at least Kamara did exactly what we all thought Kamara would do, which was eat against a terrible uh Falcons defense, but just not as much consumption as as maybe you had thought. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, so sadly, you start off 0-1 on the year. But don't worry, like I've already alluded to, um, I am right there with you as cool. Sony Michelle did not get the 15 points that I promised in standard scoring. Uh, and he only managed 5.9. So oh for 0-1 for me as well. 
despite the fact that the Patriots offense looked to just constantly be trying to get Michelle the ball, uh, did not happen. Yeah, uh, they were very nearly force feeding him. And it was strange because they were doing it while they were losing, which was very uh, Pete Carroll-ish and not Belichickian. So I don't know what the big man was thinking, but uh, he needs to get his stuff figured out now with Burkhead out. But James White's probably going to be just a machine. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I mean, I think the Michelle, I think Sony Michelle's stock is rocketing right now, and rightfully so, because I think with Burkhead injured on IR, uh, you now have two running backs that are going to fulfill specific roles, right? You no longer have to figure out, like, oh, is Rex Burkhead going to be the pass catching or the running? Like, it's Sony Michelle is going to take the rushing targets and, and rushing share, and James White is going to be their receiving back. Uh, I'm sure there will be overlap between the two, but I think for the most part, that's what you're going to get. So I think now it makes both James White and Sony Michelle very viable starts going on for the rest of the season until ultimately, and I posted about this on Twitter, there are a couple decent-ish running backs out there in the free agent market, most notably uh, Orleans Darkwa, who I liked, who was very good last year in stretches, and I would very much appreciate uh, Bill Belichick, if you're listening, we know you are. Uh, you can go sign him. That'd be great because he's a good power back who can run between the tackles and showed a lot of promise uh, with the Giants last year. But for now, we know that both running backs have a distinct role in New England. And so I think that's going to uh, help alleviate a lot of the uncertainty that we tend to have in New England. Something that I think is is pretty cool uh, and dynamic about the Michelle situation, though, is he, although he uh, he got this reputation for being an excellent passing game back in college, but it was much more his pass protection than it was his receiving ability. So they're still not necessarily, uh, he, he might not be catching that many passes, but he's still not really going to be tipping their hand when he's on the field because he could just be dropping back to protect Brady. So I, they'll still be able to keep a lot of their, uh, uh, you know, most dynamic I think they'll be doing a lot of two back sets. I think yeah. I would not be surprised if you saw a lot of Brady in the back, Brady in the shotgun with flanked by uh, Michelle and by White, and then having Michelle stay in to protect and White go out and run her out. I think they'll be doing a lot of cool, crazy, nifty shit. Um, and I think it's just nice. It'll be it's just nice to know you're like, whoo! All right, now there's two running backs in New England I need to worry about, as opposed to three, four, five, six, seven. Yeah, which is fair. I'd love to do. Uh, yeah. So fantasy wise, it kind of helps cement who's going to actually have relevance in that backfield. Um, moving on in our locks. Now we get to Clark who didn't understand the game shocker. Uh, and so had four locks last week, despite the fact that we were supposed to only do one per game. Uh, he said, Keelan Cole was going to get hundred yards and a touchdown. Odell Beckham was a lock for 25 plus points. Alfred Morris was going to get hundred yards and Naheem Hines was going to get you 12 fantasy points. Uh, Clark, spoiler alert, uh, none of these came true. <laughs> so good job, Clark. Good job, all of us. We all started 0 and 1. That's a fantastic way. I just, I'm just going to give Clark the one as opposed to starting him 0 and 4 because, uh, you know, we were, we're, we're still new to this whole lock thing and, and this whole lock system. But, uh, Odell Beckham, though, for the record, was close, had 19 points, and Morris had 61 yards on the ground and a touchdown. So both of those weren't wildly off. Um, but Naheem Hines, cap, Naheem Hines having 12 fantasy points was ballsy. Yeah, it was. Um, I hope it, it, uh, works out cause I did pick him up this week in one league. Ooh, I picked him up to stash and I've had him yeah. stashing in a, in a, in one league for two weeks now, just hoping, hoping that he has an Alvin Kamara like ascendance into the Colts offense, which Maybe you will, because maybe they'll realize that, hey, when Andrew Luck sits back in that pocket and they try to throw the ball anywhere, um, they're all worried about his arm strength and the fact that he's going to get killed behind that offensive line. So maybe let's start integrating some quick passes there and get the ball out to Naheem Hines and yeah. let him do some shizziness. I fully agree. I, I don't understand why they're not doing that with Jordan Wilkins, too. Hence my, I think I've got a, a bet with, I think it was Matt Williams. Uh, that that Wilkins would outscore Hines because he can do that too. But Hines is the more dynamic guy, so I, yeah, whatever works. Let's just get some. some let's people. let's just uh, let's have some sort of. While we just had clarity in uh, New England's backfield, let's try to get some clarity in Indiana's yeah. backfield. Yeah. Or That's get the, Le'Veon Bell in there. Yeah. Or get Le'Veon Bell. We talked about that on on Tuesday's show. Yeah. Uh, we were talking about Le'Veon Bell landing spots. I. I do really like the Indianapolis Colts. Do you have any teams you want to add to that list? 
Um, what was funny was I was thinking about the Jets the day before the report came out and was like, well, I should have tweeted this. Yeah, the Jets make so much sense because <laughs> you have a rookie, you have a quarterback on a rookie deal. You've got kind of not, I won't say scrap pile wide receivers, but they're all kind of budget wide receivers, right? You don't have anyone there who's eating up an, an absurd amount of cap space in that offense. No. And so you have the room to dedicate a lot of cap to Le'Veon Bell and putting an explosive dynamic weapon in the backfield and in that offense would be huge. Take the pressure off of Sam Darnold to make all the plays and uh, and give him a legit running game. Plus him oh, yeah. with Isaiah Crowell. I mean, basically, the one issue I would see, though, uh, is just the fact that the Jets have had a running back like this to a certain extent in uh, Bilal Powell, and they've <laughs> refused to use him. I'm sure when they got Le'Veon Bell, they'd actually use him, but it doesn't, you know, come on. Let's let's utilize Bilal Powell that you've got in your backfield before trying to give up a whole bunch of assets. But yes, a much better Bilal Powell, but still, yeah. uh, Bilal Powell is a very effective running back. Yeah, they don't like him. Um, they don't. They, they, no, they, they don't at all. Um, Matthew Barry talked about this in the preseason. He talked to some of their coaching staff, and they basically were just like, no, he is not going to be our featured back. We, they just don't trust him. Which is mildly preposterous because I feel like if you have that feeling about someone on your team, why is that person on your team? I don't know. I don't know. For like years. For years. For years. <laughs> like you can't pretend to me that like, well, you know, we've all been kind of lukewarm on Blah Pal for the last four years. It's like, really? Yeah, and yet somehow ball. he's still on that <laughs> roster. So riddle me that, yeah, man. You um, know what would be fun though? What? Put, put Logan Bell on the Packers. Yeah. Send him Aaron Jones. Send him Aaron Jones. Send him Jamal. Send him all of them. Send send the entire backfield. Just do an entire backfield swap. Yeah. Except I don't even think that I don't even think that the Steelers need a running back back. James Conner has looked quite legit. Oh, uh, absolutely. Um, I think he just like it, Aaron Jones would be a sick uh, compliment to him. Backup. Yeah. yeah. That'd be yeah. Awesome. No, that would be that would be a very nice a very nice compliment there to him. Needless to say, with our locks, we can only go up from here. Well, we're all starting the season with a losing record, <laughs> um, but at least we didn't tie. At least we didn't pull a Cleveland Browns. Uh, we lost honorably, uh, and so let's put our best foot forward and let's attempt to uh, to go up from here. Do just that, win some uh, with week four starting sits, and for that. We would like to welcome onto the show Jeff Burkus, uh, a writer from Windy City Gridiron, which is the uh, SB Nation's Bears blog. Jeff, how are you today? Doing well. Thanks for having me on, guys. Of course. We're happy to have you. So we'll just start right into the week four action, um, and we'll start with the the games that uh, we lovingly call the shit shows on this podcast. Uh, just games that really don't have a lot of uh, uh, excitement to them. And we'll start with Nick. Nick, I learned from my mistake last week and made sure that the Seahawks were in the shit shows this week. So we've got Thank the you. Seattle Seahawks in Arizona to take on the Cardinals. Is there anyone from this game that's worthwhile? Yeah, there is. Uh, and thank you for putting them in the rightful uh, shit show place because it was Good. Uh, respectful <laughs> of you. To put them up um, okay, so my start for this game is Tyler Lockett. Uh, the cards are having a lot of trouble stopping guys running interior routes. So we saw Allen Robinson uh, hit him or hurt him uh, when he was running up the middle. Same with Trey Burton, Anthony Miller. The next week it was Chris Thompson, Jordan Reed, Jameson Crowder. And last week, uh, Cooper Cup caught six of six targets running out of, the, out of the slot. They can't stop the slot. That's where Lockett is. Now this could all blow up in my face because Doug Baldwin practiced for the first time today, Wednesday. So uh, tomorrow, if he's all of a sudden active then the start of the week uh or the start not of the week but the start for this game will become doug baldwin it's basically whoever's running out of the slot against the cards is a good bet to put up decent yardage and find the end zone or sit just sort of mostly everybody but in case <laughs> everyone you, outside of this yeah if you were getting excited for whatever reason about josh rosen maybe you were like whoa his connection with christian kirk is out of this world and it, and it is and in ppr leagues you should definitely add christian kirk um, don't start Rosen this week. He has to go toe-to-toe with Earl Thomas. I, I'm willing to to bet right now that E.T. is going to pick him off, and Shaquille Griffin probably gets one too. Um, yeah, don't, don't start Josh Rosen this week. I will say I think David Johnson will have a good game. The Seahawks' play calling is bad enough. They can't score any points, so opposing teams will always stay in it. 
and that'll give David Johnson 25 runs up the middle because that's what this coaching staff That's yeah. what this offense is, which is putrid and annoying. So wait, so okay, because I have David Johnson in the league, and I very comfortably have him sitting on my bench because I have accepted my fate in that um, I wasted my first overall draft pick on him. But when you say you're like, bah, start him, you're like casually shrugging your shoulders for those who can't see. What is what is a casual shrug to you? Is that like an eight point game or is it like, no, no, no he's going to kind of get back on track and give you like 12 to 13. He'll run for a touchdown and, and, yeah. and 12 to 13. All right. I, I bet he'll score. I bet he'll score. I've got him. I think off the top of my head, I think I have him in, uh, as the RB 19 in my rankings this week. So mm-hmm. he's a low end RB two, which is not what you drafted him as. But we are way past what you drafted him as at this point. Yeah. Yeah. He's not great. No. Well, he's great. His coaches are idiots. Yeah. They got to <laughs> start playing him out of the slot. We're just running him to the outside. Let's just start with just open up running. space. Yeah. Just, just like, just take any kind of space. There's a lot, a lot of space on the football field and just maybe put him there. Just again, we're not coaches here on this podcast, but we just like to think that there's some pretty clear ways to fix uh, the troubles that ail the <laughs> Cardinals offense. Moving on in the shit shows, we also have the uh, New York Jets in Jacksonville. And there's a very clear reason I put this in the shit shows. Uh, first of all, Jacksonville, way to lose yourself down into this spot after losing to the Kibosh Tennessee Titans. But my start for this game, Leonard Fournette, I guess, or whatever running back starts in Jacksonville. The Jets' run defense hasn't been great this year, um, but honestly, that's the only matchup that I like to produce any real fantasy value this week. Um, the Jets' offense, if you're looking at Quincy Anunua or Robbie Anderson, um, those guys are all going to have to deal with the Jets' secondary. Um, excuse me, the Jaguar secondary, and Sam Darnold has looked great, but Sam Darnold is not great enough to come in at, into Jacksonville and survive the, the Jalen Ramsey slash AJ Boye experience. So I would not start any of the Jets receivers. And the Jaguars receivers, uh, I mean, the Jets defense, the past defenses look pretty good. And Blake Bortles took a massive step back last week uh, against the Tennessee Titans, which I was all for them just picking the Titans apart because Titans past defense has been hot trash. Um, so I don't really know what to feel about. And this is why I'm just kind of like, eh, my start is whatever running back Jacksonville has. And then everyone else just kind of fade. Cool. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm on board with that. Although I will uh, stick up for my guy, Quincy and Nunwa. Um, they're, you know, Jags are running, uh, uh, I think it was DJ Hayden, uh, in, in slot coverage, but he was hurt last week. If he's hampered at all again this week, I think Anunwa could still get it done on volume, but I dig the running back pick. I have to say I've put myself in a bad spot and have to start Keelan Cole in a league, and I'm Ooh. not happy about that. But um, at least if you have to start a Jaguars wide receiver, that's the one I want to start. I agree with that. Yeah, if you're forced to start a Jaguars receiver, Keelan Cole is the one is the guy to go for, but – that is that it's one of those things where you're hoping for the best, but deep down in the back of your mind and in your gut, you're like, oh, Blake Boros is going to let me down so hard. And I know it. You know, I wouldn't be afraid to roll the dice with uh, D.D. Westbrook because Buster Screen, the, the Jets slot corner, runs like eight mile an hour. He's struggling to keep up with just NFL receivers. I, I might flex D.D. Wow, I'm glad to see that uh, you are both contradicting all of the points that I made. <laughs> Good job, me nailing it so far. Clark is going to join the pod right now. Just Clark just like yeah. telephones in. He's like, also, I want to jump on this uh, shitting on Pete right now. Just, uh, say this. Uh, let's let's move on from this game before more people disagree with me. Uh, we have the Philadelphia <laughs> Eagles taking on the Kibosh Tennessee Titans, who will remain in the shit show until they actually show us something. Uh, Jeff, who are you starting and sitting from this game? Yeah, I, when I'm thinking about this game, I am looking at that bad Tennessee Titans uh, pass defense. And with injuries to Alshon Jeffrey, Mike Wallace, I think you got to kind of like Nelson Aguilar here. Uh, I think Wentz is going to need to make some plays. I know he likes his tight ends quite a bit, but Aguilar is the the main guy on the outside that's healthy. And so I'd feel pretty good about starting him. Um, On the flip side of that, Tennessee's front seven has been pretty good. And whatever mess there is with Jay Ajayi, uh, Nick Clement, Wendell Smallwood, whatever, 
Uh, if Jai comes back, he's got a back injury. I, I don't think you can t- uh, trust him until he, he shows you that he's fully healthy. And that weird split last week between Smallwood and Clement makes me think that I'm, I'm just not interested in starting either one of those guys either, even if Ajayi sits. So um, I'm kind of investing in the, in the Eagles passing game uh, and sitting on the run game. The any kind of questionable committee, especially one where no one is really productive. That just, I'm just like, you know what? I don't need that hassle in my life. If it's a, if it's a committee where, you know, you could kind of get a fair amount of production or it's a great matchup where you're just like, well, everyone's going to eat who cares who's touching the, the, the rock, then I'll, I'll happily buy in. But you're right. Uh, it's a running back committee where we're very unsure as to who's actually going to play facing a pretty stout, uh, at least on paper in terms of the names that are, they have around their uh, Tennessee front seven and just front line. Yeah, so I think I think uh, Wentz finished as like the QB twenty three or something last week, and I bet we could probably expect a pretty similar uh, outcome. And that you're you're absolutely right. the The backfield is a disaster. If Ajayi misses the game, I could see a desperation flex play for Smallwood. Um, but I'm only comfortable with the tight ends, honestly, because Aguilar got pushed outside when they re-signed Jordan Matthews, and he it he just seems to play night and day different when he's in the slot versus when he's on the outside. So unless he can get his early season magic or early season, we you know, week one and week two magic going on the outside. He scares the hell out of me. Nick, would you I, start Goddard? I would. I, I mean, as a desperation. Uh, yeah. I mean, with the state of the tight end position. Yeah, I think I would. It, it, and I would be very nervous and wouldn't tell any of my friends. <laughs> <laughs> That's the way to do it. I was uh, since we're since we're quickly touching on Nelson Aguilar. I was um, looking earlier today. I was like, okay, let's let's try to like compare some receivers to Amari Cooper um, and see just kind of because people love to give Amari Cooper a bad rap. And I was like, all right, let's see if Amari Cooper's production is actually as kind of like poor as everyone thinks it is. Um, which then led me down the rabbit hole of the 2015 first round wide receivers that were taken is just a, a horrible list. It's Amari Cooper, Kevin White, Devontae Parker, Nelson Aguilar, Brashard Perriman, and Philip Dorsett, all taken in the first round in that year. That is a uh, one of the worst first rounds of wide receivers, I think, in NFL history. I will not defend Kevin White. Just no matter how much you no. pay me, I'm not going to defend him. <laughs> I forgot he's in the league. Is he still in the league, or is he just kind of like floating in a nebulous? Is he on injured reserve? With the Bears? No, no, he's not yet. Not yet. It's coming though. God. Oh, what boy. a bummer! That is a bummer. Um, you never, you never like to see careers get completely derailed by injury, but it always sucks when it happens to your team. All right, last last game in the shit shows: uh, Houston Texans versus the Indianapolis Colts. This game start Will Fuller. Uh, Fuller has played six games with Deshaun Watson under center. And in those six games, he has scored at least one touchdown has gone over a hundred yards and three straight the Colts secondary while better than it was last year, which really isn't saying much still a subpar. Uh, and I would totally just expect Watson and Fuller to take full advantage of it. And I'm just going to play, but play the numbers. Um, and then my sit Nick and I talked about this on the opening of the podcast Colts running backs. Just don't, don't bother. You know, any and I said this when we were talking about the Eagles, any running back committee that doesn't have a lot of production and it's 100 percent uncertain who's there. I'm not going to I don't need that in my life. We're starting to approach Seahawks levels of uncertainty in the Colts backfield. And I don't want to waste a starting spot on a guy who may or may not get touches. Um, Plus, the Texans pass defense is terrible. So India is going to air it out. Are you guys worried about Watson rest of the year? Um, I've got a major investment in him in two leagues and uh so far, I'm I'm a little worried, but the points have been there, but the uh, it has not been pretty. I think everything's going to change when the Texans ultimately trade for Le'Veon Bell, and that offense becomes hyper explosive with them both in the backfield together, running a bunch of RPOs. So hold out. Clark, Clark just shouted at someone, and he doesn't <laughs> he doesn't know why. Um, yeah, uh, that line is uh, offensive. And not offensive. Boom, roasted. Yeah, that's that bad. Sorry, guys. Uh, yes, Jeff, I am very afraid that Deshaun Watson's going to get hurt. While he's healthy, he's his dynamic self, and he, he I think he, he bounced back pretty well last week. 
Um, but the line is definitely concerning. However, when he has Fuller and Hopkins out there, and what's cool about Fuller this year is he's running so many shorter routes. Like he still is his deep threat, but he's running short routes too. He's are like, you just are you just like tacking on the Texans fan to your list of NFL fandoms right now? Shut up. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> Getting so hyped for Will it's, Fuller, which I can't disagree with because I have Will Fuller in like two of my leagues and I love him and I've been mistakenly sitting him on the bench. And so I am not making that mistake this week, which is I'm doing the I'm doing the speak it into existence. I'm speaking a good game into existence. Well, I think as a, as a closeted uh, Seattle Patriots fan, I, I have a right to root for Bill O'Brien, given that he's part Fair. of the Belichick coaching tree. I don't know. However, I can work my way into being a big fan of Will Fuller. Yeah, I'm there. That's fair. It's fair. Acceptable. Um, all right. So let's move on to our second category of games this weekend. The uh, If I'm Bored, brought to you by cheetos i guess or whatever you sit on the couch and eat when you're just like man whatever i'll turn it on delivered by amazon still. delivered by <laughs> still sponsored by DiGiorno's delivered by amazon <laughs> that's the if i'm bored category uh we'll start with the buffalo bills taking on the green bay packers and congrats to buffalo for working yourself out of the shit show category beating the minnesota vikings and looking like an actual competent football team so well done you guys um, and for this, I'm going to spice up the order a little bit. I'm going to say sit Geronimo Allison. Uh, my love for him has been well-documented so far to start this season, but I think that he'll find this Bills defense to be a little bit tougher than we expect. The Bills have given up the third fewest yards to receivers on the outside, which is obviously where Allison does all of his work. Um, so I could see a game plan that attacks the middle of the Bills defense uh, as opposed to the perimeter, which means a lot less Allison. But... Who benefits from the middle of that uh from that attack the middle game plan? Show boy Jimmy Graham. And that's why I'm gonna make Jimmy Graham my guy Richie presents lock stock and two smoking barrels. Lock of the week. Bill's defense is 11th in the NFL and most fantasy points allowed to a tight end to start the season. And we've seen the Rogers Graham chemistry brewing. And now it's time for it to explode. And it's going to do that. Uh Graham's gonna get you, I'm gonna say at least 15 points. Uh, and he's going to do that 50 plus receiving yards and a touchdown. So Jimmy Graham's going to have a breakout game, be a part of that uh, Packers offense while Geronimo Allison uh, fade him. So this is a bummer because I, okay, now I'm sorry for the contradiction. God damn it. Jimmy Graham showed up on the injury report today. No, he did it. Yes, he did. He mispracticed. Uh, he's listed with a knee. Now it's Wednesday, so it could just be a veteran rest day. And that's probably what it is. But he did show up on the report. I was thinking Geronimo Allison was going to have a big game because of it. But you talked me out of it. Now I'm a, a Randall Cobb truther this week. Nick, why are you the way that you are? <laughs> I have a personal rule. I don't start any Packers. So I'm sort of out on this conversation. That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> I respect that. I respect that. Uh, so then let's move on. Let's move on to the uh, San Francisco 49ers and uh, playing the Los Angeles Chargers. And this game is in the board category because we no longer have Jimmy Garoppolo tossing passes in SF. And so I feel like everyone's kind of thinking this is going to be a Chargers romp. But Nick, uh, who are you starting and who are you sitting? So uh, for this one, I, I really tried to kind of dig deep. And so my start is Kyle Juszczyk. Um, oh my god <laughs> yeah well yeah that's probably like ppr not a, it's not even a start this is like a ad and then start yes it is an ad and then start <laughs> uh yeah um anyway cj bethard i believe is how you say his name bethard loves throwing the running backs i was looking through his game log uh from the like six games or five games that he started last year he's obsessed with throwing the running backs um Breda hyperextended his knee last week. He stood, he didn't practice today. And Juszczyk was already catching passes. He's re, he's a great pass catcher, but he's still, you know, a fullback. So he's not going to be used that much, but, uh, or he has not been used that much. But given the fact that they're, they're working with Alfred Morris and injured Matt Breda and a Kyle Juszczyk, the passes to the backfield are going to go somewhere. And Alfred Morris has like nine total catches in his life like going back to elementary school. So I don't think that he's suddenly going to like have hands. So I think use has a good shot at like five, six, maybe seven catches. And one of those could be a dump off uh, for a touchdown. I, I wouldn't bet the farm on him, but as a, a like, Hey, this could be a, a sexy flex play. Uh, yeah, sure. Kyle use just called you sexy. My sit is actually a start number two. It's Mike Williams. 
Richard Sherman yes. is expected to miss uh, a few weeks, as I understand, uh, with his calf injury. So their number one corner's down. Williams is here. He has announced his presence. He put up like 81 yards and two TDs last week, I think. He's the premier receiving threat on the outside. Keenan Allen's running out of the slot, and you're going to start him every week regardless. But Mike Williams, it looks like he is finally living up to his number five overall selection. I think it was two years ago. Um, yeah, fire him up. He might. I, I think he's got a good shot to be a wide receiver too this week. I picked him up, and I'm going to play. That there's Kyle Juszczyk, Sure, that's a that's a ballsy uh, <laughs> add and then start. Mike Williams is my legit add and then start this week because I cool. added him and I'm starting him. I. Cool. I and I've got beers riding on him too. So I'm expecting him to continue to build upon what we saw last week. Yeah, I'm stoked. I'm stoked. I think he's going to, I think he's going to have a big game. I think, like you said, it's going to be a route or a rump, if you will. A rump. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it will be a rump in Los Angeles. So Bethard, Bethard's an Iowa Hawkeye, as is George Kittle. So those guys have chemistry going back, you know, five, six years at this point. So I feel like Kittle's going to have 500 catches this Sunday. I totally like, forgot about that. Oh, but the thing is, Nick he, is re- regretting his choice of Kyle Juszczyk well, over so, George Kittle. <laughs> what's, what's interesting is I, I looked through the box scores and it, he really didn't throw to Kittle very much when he was starting, but I think Kittle was kind of banged up. I know he missed one game with injury, so maybe he was nursing an injury the whole time. Um, I'm shook as a Kittle owner, but maybe, maybe I shouldn't be. Let's move on to the Cleveland Browns moving to Oakland to take on the Raiders. And I wanted to put this game in the uh, this will be a good game category, but I couldn't bring myself to move the Raiders to that level yet. But Cleveland starting Baker Mayfield is certainly, certainly reason enough to be a good game. Uh, Jeff, who are you starting and sitting in this game? So I probably went in, uh, in a not so obvious direction here for my start. Um, I think Baker Mayfield may just be bringing a level of excitement to this offense. Um, and that's great. But what I think the biggest beneficiary is might be this Cleveland defense and, uh, the Cleveland defense through three games has nine sacks, five interceptions and six fumble recoveries. Um, they're just turning the ball over and, uh, they're getting after the quarterback. They held the saints to 21 points. They held the Steelers to 21 points. We came out of those games. What's wrong with the saints? What's wrong with the Steelers? Maybe it's because they were playing the Browns defense. Maybe this team's actually legitimate, and I don't think we're talking enough about it. And if Baker Mayfield can get that team out to a lead, all of a sudden uh, they can they can pin their ears back and get after the quarterback even more. And so I think the Cleveland Browns are a really good start this week going against the Raiders offense that really isn't that impressive. Um, they definitely have a tough stretch coming up. I wrote down games coming up here, Chargers at Tampa Bay, at Pittsburgh, home against Kansas City home against Atlanta. So it's not like you're just going to sit them in that spot for the rest of the year, but this might be a team that you think about every week and look at the matchup and they might end up being a team that you're, you're, you know, feeling good about starting every week. Um, The sit for this game, I'm not going to touch any Raiders player until I see something out of them. Um, But particularly I'm just not interested in playing anything from Carr or Cooper right now. Um, Those guys just look, like a car looks like a mess. He just gets the ball out way too fast. Doesn't let anything develop. And Cooper just looks lost out there. So um, I just, I have no interest starting any of this offense right now, uh, but particularly those two guys, I just don't think you can trust them. I love the defensive pick. That is excellent. Uh, and I totally agree with you. It's been wildly underrated. Uh, and I saw a tweet that was talking about the fact that the Saints, Steelers, and uh, Jets have all averaged like 30-plus points in the two of their three games. And in the games that they played, the Browns, the Browns have just shut them down or held them to a, a much more reasonable score. Uh, so I am fully aboard this Browns defense being actually A-plus legit. And then we have spent so much time on this airwaves talking about Amari Cooper and just the fact that, uh, Oh my gosh, what happened to him? Um, let's, let's get him into an environment where he actually can thrive and be productive. And that is not in John Gruden's, uh, offense. So I, uh, yeah, Jeff, uh, round of applause. Absolutely love the Cleveland DST pick. Uh, I, uh, saw today from the goat Evan Silva. He was tweeting about how Emmanuel Ogba 
is going to be making his return to their uh, their defensive line this week. So you got him be even better. Yeah, it's going to be better than it was. He, he running next to Miles Garrett, and as I am now trying to take credit for calling him Larry Shogun Joby, who is just ruining game plans. Thank you, thank you, Pete. Um, yeah, that defense is legit. Awesome pick. And yeah, always bench Amari Cooper. Always bench Amari Cooper. <laughs> we all knew. We all know Nick's feelings on that. <laughs> Nick burned Amari Cooper before the season even started. He was just like, "Nope, I'm out." He's a slot receiver, and Gruden doesn't know what that is. Yeah, it's sad. Uh, last team, the last game in the if I'm bored category this week, the Detroit Lions against the Dallas Cowboys. Um, and my start is not exciting. It's not an exciting or sexy pick, but Ezekiel Elliott is primed to eat. This weekend, the Lions have the worst run defense in terms of yards given up and are 30th in the league in terms of points surrendered to running backs, giving up an average of 27 points per game. There's no committee to dampen Elliott's touches, so expect him to be the focal point to thrive and to just run the football down Detroit's throat. Um, He's going to be worth it in DFS. If you're going to pay for his high salary, he's going to be worth it in whatever stardom. That's clear and obvious start. He's going to get you a lot of points. Uh, my sit for this game is Matthew Stafford. The Cowboys love to play in these like slow scoring slug fests where they just drain hours off of the clock running the ball and give the opposing offense a couple of seconds to score. Um, Wilson only had 26 pass attempts last week against them for 192 yards. Uh, plus every quarterback that's faced them so far has been QB 14 or lower, and they've only allowed three passing touchdowns this season, which is second best in the league. So, uh, I am not too sold or thrilled on Matt Stafford's prospects this week. I got a question for you with uh, Zeke Elliott. I, I just think that Dallas offense is terrible and their offensive line just hasn't been healthy. I agree with you that it's a good pick based on the defense that they're running against. Do you use a good game out of Elliott this week to maybe then trade him next week, uh, sort of sell at the top, or are you confident that he can return value for the rest of the year? That's a really good question because I am all for maximizing on someone's value before they hit a slide. My thought would be if you're going to propose a trade, make sure make sure it's players who have uh, – a a high enough floor that even if Elliot is able to kind of consistently play out, you don't feel like you got shafted in your deal. I think Elliot probably has a little more flexible uh, fluctuation in his fa- fantasy production than people are used to, or people are looking to, to have in their RB one. But if, so if you can sh- trade him for, you know, a uh, uh, wide receiver one. There's a lot of people who got like Adam Thielen in this, you know, as their wide receiver two. And if you can package Thielen and, you know, maybe like a Trey Burton, I would, if Zeke Elliott puts together a huge game, I would, I would certainly be fielding offers. I wouldn't, wouldn't feel pressure to have to trade him, but I would be listening to people who are calling. That's, that's super interesting. Um, I was taking a look at his schedule, Houston, Jacksonville, Washington, by, and basically the rest of the year, it's it's just like good defenses mm-hmm. and bad defenses. So he he might end up being fairly boomer bust. You gotta love New Orleans, Indy, and Tampa Bay, out of three of the four last weeks of the season. But um, that's interesting. I, I we, hadn't considered that. But we did see the Saints put together their defense the end of last season too, which I'm not saying is going to replicate itself this year. Um, but both of the, you know, the Saints and Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay spent this entire offseason restructuring that uh, defensive line to try to shut down the run. Which, again, these are big ifs as to whether or not things get actually fixed there. Um, but those are two teams that could have a lot better run defenses in the later of the seat in the late season than than we're seeing. That's right fair because Vita Vea hasn't played yet, uh, and Gerald McCoy is playing hurt. Okay, that's that's uh, wow, Jeff. Nice stuff, man. Um, that's definitely something to look into. Um, but yeah, I think you, you got to get a guy who is matchup proof. Like you, you, you right. gotta, you're, you're capitalizing on his assumed huge game this weekend and his name value. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and I, you know, I was considering uh, picking up Matt Stafford this week cause I, I was going to stream Joe Flacco, but with, John Brown mysteriously showing up on the injury report. I'm now a little bit. Yeah. Um, it's a little scary to me. So I was thinking about dropping him for Stafford. I got, I got Alex Smith on the bench who like not, 
not a game record, but his schedule is so comfortable. Uh, uh, Nicholas. Yeah, sorry. Wait a hot beat because okay. I'll tell you a quarterback that you should add this week to Sick. street. Cool. All right. So, uh, and we're we're one game away from it, so don't worry. So now we're going into the uh, these will be good games category, uh, games that actually have some both fantasy value and hopefully entertainment value. Uh, and we'll start with the New Orleans Saints taking on the New York Giants. Nick, who are you starting? Who are you sitting? I'm starting Eli Manning. Um, I put him, yeah, I, I put him on my uh, undervalued QB piece this week, and I know that this is terrifying, but. Ryan Fitzpatrick was the QB one facing New Orleans uh, in week one. And obviously he's on fire, but bear with me. He's a QB one. Tyrod Taylor was the QB 25 in week two, but he still threw for almost 250 yards, scored once through one pick. But Tyrod is a dynamic dual threat quarterback who is being asked to play pocket passer. You have to keep that in mind. And then last week, Matt Ryan finished as the quarterback two playing against New Orleans. So split the difference. You're looking at a, a look, Eli. You're looking at a top 10 quarterback. I think down. so. Or at least maybe around 12 or 13. Uh, he's right. got the weapons to get it done. And on that note, also start Sterling Shepard. He's going to take most of Ingram's targets. Um, my sit is start number two. Start Cameron. <laughs> start Cameron Meredith. He made his debut last week. He played almost half the stats. I think it was 43. He was immediately the the third most uh, snapped wide receiver uh, in New England and Breeze. Uh, he had one target, one catch for an 11-yard touchdown. It's It can't be overstated how important it is that in, in Cameron Meredith's first game, Breeze looked at him in the red zone. That's huge. This defense can't stop anything. The good stuff is on deck, and I think that Meredith has a very good shot of surpassing Ted Ginn as the actual number two while Ginn maintains his his you know number three deep route stuff also start Ted Ginn because the Giants can't stop anything deep. Um, but yeah, Cameron Meredith is my start number two. As a Bears fan, I love Cam Meredith. Um, you know he the Bears sort of you know muffed that one uh, in the off season with trying to keep him and the the Saints signed him away on the restricted tag. But um, you know that knee, uh, he his cuts in the off season didn't look very good. Didn't look fully recovered. Uh, one target, one catch, one touchdown is pretty good, but uh, that's that's asking a lot to start him in the next week. Um, I don't know that I can do that as much as I love Cam Meredith. You're hoping that he steps right into the uh, the Marquise Go- uh, the Golston. Is that who am I thinking of? Marcus Colston. Marcus Colston. There it is, big boy slot receiver. There you go. Yeah, that the Saints love to utilize. It's the matchup. It's he's playing the New Orleans offense and they're playing the Giants. Like him, Ginn, Thomas, these guys can all score. Uh, Kamara, too. They Breeze can have four passing TDs, no problem this week. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, so, I'm surprised, Nick, unless Eli Manning is owned in your league, you're looking to stream a quarterback and here you are preaching the name of Eli Manning. Shows how much confidence you have in your own start pick. If you're I, I picked up Flacco instead. <laughs> But actually, I think I'm going to drop him for uh, for Eli now. Uh, so there you go. Well, moving on. Here's my here's my quarterback that you can do. Uh, the Miami Dolphins take on the New England Patriots, and my start is everyone on this Dolphins offense because the Patriots defense is terrible. It's trash. It's absolute garbage. So Ryan Tannehill is going to eat because the Patriots not only even if the Patriots defense was good. They have such a history of just bowing down to mediocre quarterbacks and making them look like gods, uh, particularly Miami. The play- Patriots don't play the Dolphins well for whatever reason. Um, but if you're looking for an actual name in the Dolphins uh, offense, I said Kenyon Drake was a start last week against the Raiders, and that did not go according to plan. But I just realized I was off a week. So this week is the week to play Kenyon Drake. Uh, Patriots have the second-worst run defense in the NFL, and while they have – they. They haven't adapted to today's NFL with our linebacking core. They have big thumpers like Dante Hightower and Kyle Van Noyes is not the biggest guy, but he's more of a, a stout guy. They're not quick and agile. Uh, and Drake is just going to run circles around this crew, just like he did last year when he gashed the Patriots for 114 yards on 25 carries. So he's just going to run all over them. So that's, I mean, you should literally start everyone in this Dolphins offense because the Patriots defense sucks. And my sit. Is a little daring. Last week, I told you to sit uh, Antonio Brown, who, well, was not great. 
wasn't sit worthy, but it wasn't great. So, you know, maybe I'm onto something. Sit Gronk this week. Uh, the laws of probability say that after two weeks in which Gronk was far from a tight end one, he's likely to bounce back. But I'm a cynical Pats fan and am happy to be a part of the uh, no, he's not going to bounce back crowd. Uh, he's the only offense in this new in New England right now. And teams know that and are just directing all their defensive resources at stopping him. The Jaguars and Lions double and triple teamed him throughout the entire game. And that's not going to change until Edelman comes back and Josh Gordon hits the field looking like 2007 Randy Moss. So um, I mean, I'm really into the, the Kenyon Drake move and I'll, I'll get to the, the Gronk outrage in a second. Um, but I'm, I'm really into the, the Kenyon Drake move. I, I think now might be the time to try to trade for him. Uh, Gore is he's still there, but he's he's not. I mean, he, he had he had six carries last week. He had uh, nine, nine touches week one, I think 10 in week two and six last week. But. Last year, you, you mentioned what, what Drake did to the Pats on the ground, 114 yards. He also had 79 yards through yeah. the air. Yeah. Um, so hopefully the coaching staff remembers this and, and rolls him out there. And I think that, you know, I love Frank Gore, uh, but Drake might be pulling away a little bit. And, and this is a big opportunity for him to do so. Maybe try and go trade for him. Um, as far as Gronk goes, I don't think that teams, if, if, if teams continue to just triple team the guy every week, the Pats are going to figure out a way to win. If- How? How? The <laughs> last two weeks, they've been triple teaming him, and the Patriots have lost both those games. Yeah, yeah it's, that's totally fair. Um, well, I think that they're going to have uh, a guy named Josh Gordon playing, and he's pretty good at stretching the field. Uh, I just, I, I think also hasn't played in five years. He doesn't need to catch a ball, man. He just has to run down the field and everyone's going to pee their pants. All right. All right. right. I just, I'm keeping the faith with Gronk. I've got him in, I don't know how many leagues you are. You are, uh, clearly, clearly a Patriots fan who does not live in the Boston area. Cause (laughs) let me tell you. There nothing corrupts your fandom and your makes you a cynical asshole more than living in Boston. Yeah. We're just already sat out here in Seattle. Yeah, it's just a permanent level of sadness. Yeah. <laughs> um, let's move on to the next game. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers and Fitzmagic, who's thrown for 400 yards each and every game this year, which is absurd, uh, against the Chicago Bears. Uh, yeah, hyperbole. That's no, awesome. Literally, that is true. Yeah. Uh, as Chicago Bears defense that I am in, infatuated with. I love this Bears defense because I have them on both of my two leagues and loving every second of it. Uh, Jeff, who, who are you liking? Who are you sitting from this? All right. So this isn't fair because I'm a Bears fan and write for a Bears blog. So a lot of homerism is going to permeate this. But Clearly, we're very my, unbiased podcast. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. So my start is, is a no-brainer start, but I'm, I'm going somewhere with it. It's Allen Robinson. And I think Allen Robinson, this is the buying window closing on Sunday. So if you wanted to get Allen Robinson, you need to go out and get him now because he's got an amazing matchup against a Bucks secondary. That's just absolutely terrible. Uh, Vance McDonald took the soul off of Chris Conte last week, with that face palm into the dirt. And he went on injured reserve with the bruised ego or whatever that was. Um, it, they, you know, Hargreaves is out. I mean, they, they just don't have anybody in that secondary. They're getting beat up every single week, which is leading to a lot of that passing magic from, from Fitzpatrick. Uh, and the one guy that Trubisky has shown a consistent uh, connection with is Allen Robinson. The guy's a former wide receiver one with Blake Bortles, for God's sakes. So this is the guy that I think is going to emerge in this game and the window's going to close. So if you want him, you know, you got a couple days to get that trade done. Um, the sit, I'm going to say Fitzpatrick. Um, the Bears defense is legit. Uh, they lead the league in sacks and they have the lowest percentage of blitzes. Um, so they are just getting pressure with just uh, a basic rush. And that's obviously Khalil Mack, but he's opening up uh, Akeem Hicks. He's opening up Leonard Floyd. He's opening up Eddie Goldman to get these one-on-one looks. They are just fierce. Um, Fitzpatrick, you know, can be a guy that throws for those 400 yards and, and touchdowns all over the place. He's also a guy that can throw five picks. Um, I, I think that the magic's going to start running out here. There's enough film on them, uh, for Vic Fangio to figure them out. And the bears defense is just hot right now. They're playing at home. Um, and so I, I I'm betting on the bears defense to, to shut down the Fitzpatrick show. I, uh, like I said, I've been infatuated with this defense and it's amazing what happens when you trade for one of the best pass rushers in the league in his prime. 
They're really hard to find those pass rushers. They just, are. You know, they they are. They but don't I, grow on you, trees. So. If you've got one, you got to trade him ASAP. You got one in this Absolutely. Got to trade him. Multiple, gotta, multiple <laughs> picks. Absolutely. <laughs> Super work, John. I think I saw um, that the 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 Bears are number one in QB pressures this year and the Raiders are last or is yeah. there something to that it's effect? It's beautiful. It's writing its own script. Cleo Max MVP season is just writing itself. It's beautiful. I love witnessing yeah. it. But it's cool, Oakland. You only have, well, one more year of the Raiders, I guess, and then Las Vegas gets Gruden for nine or whatever. Um, so I'm, I'm super into the Allen Robinson pick. And uh, given the fact that that Anthony Miller is hurt, he sub- sublocated his shoulder, however you say that, he dislocated his shoulder like twice. Um, yes. He was their slot guy. Robinson was already running routes in the slot too, but now that he's hurt, uh, Allen Robinson is going to eat all over the place. I really like Trubisky uh, as a developmental prospect, and I really like him as an up-and-coming fantasy guy because of his rushing floor. He, you know, he, um, uh, who is it, Nagy? Yeah, I, yeah. yeah. Um, Nagy, Nagy's letting him run in the red zone. That's sick. Uh, that's if if he starts connecting on that, that's going to be big. And but outside of that, right now Trubisky to me looks like a one read and I hope this works kind of guy and his one read as you were saying is Allen Robinson and that's awesome and yes this Bucks defense is is laughable I'm still going to start Fitzmagic against the Bears and that might be foolhardy but uh I'm 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 riding the magic until until the magic dies Magic almost died last on whatever Monday night. Yeah, and he threw for 300 yards after that or whatever. Like, fair. He's fair. I just Todd Monken's amazing. This, this defense, this defense has embarrassed humans. I mean, they torched Russell Wilson. They've destroyed just good quarterbacks, and so I, I think we saw we saw the Fitz Magic starting to crumble. Um, we started to see the reason why Fitzpatrick hasn't been a starting quarterback forever. When he, he was like the QB three last week, <laughs> I know, but he threw three interceptions in the first quarter or the he first half. Touchdowns. No, I understand. <laughs> but all I'm saying, all I'm saying, is that the pressure is going to be around him. He's going to chuck up another four interceptions, and then everyone's going to be like, "Well, all right, Fitzmagic's dead. Let's go, Jameis." I love it. Let me just add one more thing about the Bears. Uh, yeah, Trubisky's developing, and you know, we could spend 20 minutes talking about uh, Trubisky, but they have done really well at. Uh, time of possession and so um that really keeps that defense fresh and when your defense is only playing 25 26 27 minutes they're much more effective than when they're playing 34 35 so um they i know they're not putting up a lot of points yet there's you know trubisky swimming in this offense he's still learning it um still trying to figure out all the pieces but they are moving the ball consistently um the points just haven't come yet so i think that keeps fitzpatrick off the field a lot longer than he has been in these last few games I like it. I also like Jordan Howard this game. Uh, let's move on to the final game in the uh, it'll be a good game category. And that is the Kansas City Chiefs taking on the Denver Broncos. Nicholas, talk to me. Yeah. All right. So my start for the Kansas City Chiefs at Denver Broncos is all of your Broncos. Emmanuel Sanders is my 21B Baker Street Sherlock Holmes oh! pick of the week. He's going for 150 yards and a touchdown. At least book it. You heard it here first. Um, he's the number one receiver and he in that offense, and he is awesome. Uh, Case Keenum is still uh, – Case Keenum's bad. I had high hopes after last year, but he, he, he is just kind of a bad quarterback. But he's got a great core. He's got a great receiving core. And Kansas City is the worst defense of all time. So start Emmanuel Sanders, uh, start Demarius Thomas, start Cortland Sutton, flex him, uh, start Philip Lindsay. I really hope that Lindsay doesn't lose too much playing time after punching a Raven last week. Like, dude, you're an up and coming. Come on, get it together. He's got a lot of fight in him. What are you going to do? Yeah, <laughs> can't control that. Um, and, uh, and I think, you know, given that, given that ejection, I wouldn't be surprised if, if Freeman gets the start this week and perhaps gets a couple more touches than he was going to get last week, but it doesn't matter if you're getting 10 touches and, you know, or, or seven targets or five targets, whatever against this, this defense, you've got a great chance to score. And my sit, I want you, before you give your sit, I want you to build an entire Broncos DFS line. Submit it and see how well you do. Well, I would like to, but I live in the state of Washington. Oh, that's true. We have archaic 
gambling laws and you're not allowed because I, uh, I don't get me started on Washington gambling laws. It's, it's absurd. It's, I can't believe that I'm not allowed to make a bet and I'm an adult man. Um, but my sits, uh, you should do that and I'll pay you for it. Perfect. There it is. <laughs> cool. I'll do it for you. Uh, my sit of the week I, is might be a little weird, but it's Kareem Hunt. Um, he's probably still going to be an RB1. I believe I have him ranked around RB12. But the guy has three targets through three games. Three total through three mm. games. That's not enough to maintain RB1 status. If you're in a half-point PPR league or a full-point PPR league, try to trade him. Try to trade him for another guy of equal value who just gets like a, you know a similar touch count but more of those touches uh, through the air. Touches or catches are worth more than carries fantasy wise. Anyway, I love Kareem and I've, I've got him on a couple of teams. Yeah, I'll own him forever in one of my keeper leagues. Yeah. If you're going to, if you get, if you got to pick somebody to sit. He's his start has been disappointing to say the least. Yeah. It, yeah. Especially um, in an offense that's been so freaking explosive. And you thought, you thought like the, the whole offense was going to get built around Tyreek and Kareem, as opposed to Tyreek and, Travis Kelsey and Sammy Watkins and basically Pat Mahomes just making receivers look good. Yeah, totally. Um, but I guess, you know, there is some data out there that suggests mobile QBs don't like dumping off to running backs. But anyway, I guess the fine point that I would put on this is sit Kareem Hunt as your RB1, maybe start him as your RB2. <laughs> I just don't think <laughs> he's going to hit his RB1 status. Good, good, good. No, that's that's a good way to kind of cover your bases there. But I also- have like seven RB1s that I get to choose from every week, so that, that, makes, that makes it really easy. Well, la-di-da. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, perfect. Well, there you go. Uh, all right. And now we get into the final category. We have three of these, the games of the week. And we're going to start off with uh, the Thursday night game. Whoo, man, this is going to be a good one. The Minnesota Vikings taking on the Los Angeles Rams. Uh, the Vikings pissed that they lost to the Bills. Come on. What are you doing, guys? And the Rams just continuing to tool on the NFL. Um, my start for this game, I mentioned him earlier in the podcast, Adam Thielen. Both teams in this game have formidable defenses, but Thielen uh, will have the benefit of not working against Aqib Tlaib and possibly Marcus Peters, as both of them are dealing with injuries. Uh, Thielen has had at least 12 targets in each of the first three games, which is just absurd. And you can bu- you can bet that Kirk Cousins is going to be looking his way in a desperate attempt to save himself from Aaron Donald and Indomitian and Sue, uh, who will be bearing down on him because the Vikings don't have a good offensive line. Shocker. Uh, another thing that they just don't invest in. Uh, my sit for this week is Robert Woods. Woods is coming off of his biggest game of the season, and I'm sure because of that, he's going to be a sexy start this week as everyone's hoping to recapture the magic. But don't, because he won't. Uh, not against Xavier Rhodes at the very least. And even if he doesn't draw the Xavier Rhodes matchup, the Vikings have passed defenses top 10 in the league per DVOA. Um, and so I would expect them to have difficulty moving the football through the air and look to establish Todd Gurley and and focus on Todd Gurley as a pass catcher um, and utilize him moving into this game. So, so yeah, actually they they placed uh, the Rams placed Aqib Talib on IR this yeah, afternoon because he so, he's got an ankle surgery or something like that. Yeah, something like that. Uh, and I, I get the two injuries mixed up between him and Peters, but Peters is also questionable. So yeah, I, I love the Thielen pick. Thielen has like 20 more targets than any other Viking. He's at like 46 on the he year. Is, I think he's is in the twenties. Yeah. I, I, uh, I spent a lot of the off season and I've said this multiple times on the podcast before, but I spent a lot of the off season saying that, well, uh, let's, let's not get so hyped about it. I'm feeling Stefan Diggs is going to be the guy who moves this offense. Clearly I was wrong. And I'll admit that. I'll admit well, that. I'm very upset that I did not buy more Adam Thielen stock. Diggs is still a stud. Oh um, yeah. Diggs is fantastic. But Adam Thielen, I mean, Adam Thielen is like approaching Jarvis Landry levels of PPR and just general fantasy production in target share. Like oh. it's absurd. He oh, is literally yeah. the offense. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, yeah. Leads the league in targets. Um, I still am keeping the Robert Woods faith. Dude's a stud. And and at the end of the day, Sean McVay, man, that guy will scheme his players into the That's fair. openest of open fields. But I also, I also think that with the amount of other weapons that are in that offense, I think Sean McVay could easily just send – I mean, it, it might not be Woods. Yeah, I got you. And maybe I maybe I pull a nick and cover all my bases and say <laughs> sit one of the three Rams whatever Rams wide receiver is on Xavier Rhodes sit that one um, 
because I could see Sean McVay doing something sneaky like that, where it's like, all right, Brandon Cooks, you're going to just not have anything this game and just run Xavier, Xavier Rhodes down the field 500 times um, and we'll work underneath and, and just take him out of the game. So it's whatever whatever receiver. I just think Woods is is the one. It always happens where one receiver will have this huge game or one player will have a huge game and everyone's like, oh my God, I got to start him now and hope I can capture the magic. And I don't think this is the best matchup for Woods to have to, to build upon his success last week. Uh, moving on in the games of the week, we have the Cincinnati Bengals taking on the Atlanta Falcons in another game that's just going to be an absolute shootout because the Falcons can't stop a nosebleed and Cincinnati Bengals have a pretty decent office this year. Jeff, who are you liking in this game? So this is the highest over-under of the week. That's always a nice little uh, mm-hmm. thing to look up if you want to see what Vegas thinks is going to score the most points. Um, I have to tend to agree with them. These teams are kind of mirrors of each other, if you think about it. Uh, they both have two running backs that are fantasy worthy, with one of them being hurt. Mixon and Freeman are, are hurt on either side. They both have generational pass catchers and A.J. Green and Julio Jones. And they both have quarterbacks that have had up and ups and downs, I would say. Obviously, Ryan's uh, ceiling has been much higher uh, than Dalton's over the years, but you know there's been some variation. Um, and then, what, where I'm where I'm going with this is, I think they have finally found their number two target uh, for the for the Bengals. It's Tyler Boyd. Uh, he's really established himself. He's knocked John Ross out of that spot. I, I'm I'm convinced he's put back to back good games together, and I think that he's he's here to stay as a uh, as a worthy wide receiver three or flex type play. Um, I certainly put my bids in on him uh, where I could. He was more widely available than the Falcons option, which is Calvin Ridley. Um, Ridley obviously exploded with a ridiculous game with three touchdowns, 140 plus yards last week, but I'm buying it. I think that they're, that he's legitimately going to be that number two to Julio. I think he's someone that you can count on. I I made the comparison earlier today, talking to a buddy uh, to Juju Smith Schuster as coming in and playing alongside a, a, you know, clear cut number one stud like Antonio Brown, Julio Jones, um, but still being able to carve off a, a significant role. Juju was able to do that as a rookie and be valuable on your team. I think Ridley can do the same. Um, and so both of those guys to me are very interesting and uh, very much start worthy in this game because they're going against defenses that Cincinnati wasn't going to be good coming into the year and Atlanta with their injuries to Ken O'Neill and, and uh, their linebacker, um, his name's escaping me, uh, Dion. Dion Jones, yeah. Deion Jones, um, you know, with, with those injuries, Atlanta just does not look like a defense that can stop anybody either. And so um, I'm really interested in starting anybody I can in this game, but particularly wanted to point out Boyd and Ridley. I love the Calvin Ridley comparison to Juju Smith-Schuster because so often, and I fell victim to this too, so often we get it in our heads that it's like it takes a couple of years for receivers to fully acclimate. But then you see Juju Smith-Schuster come in as a rookie, have a very productive role, very productive fantasy season. And I think a lot of it is because he was sharing an offense with Antonio Brown and in a pass-happy league with uh, Ben Roethlisberger. And so you're seeing that with Calvin Ridley. And he is someone who was coming into the league as such a refined route runner that I wish I had kind of trusted my gut and just stashed him on multiple teams because I would not be surprised if he continues to build upon this and is a legit wide receiver too for the rest of the season. So I saw it floating around on Twitter, some some joke. I can't remember. It might have been Graham Barfield or something. I can't remember who it was. But uh, the, the joke was the Falcons have finally found their number two wide receiver, Julio Jones. Um, Calvin, the Riddler, Ridley. Dude's for real. He's awesome. And um, the Falcons have 100% figured out their red zone issues uh, since week one. They're like eight for eight uh, in their red zone trips. Steve Sarkeesian learning how to play football. Yeah, man. Uh, and But when I say eight for eight, I believe it's all TDs too. It's not just that they score, it's TD. Like, yeah, they're on fire. Uh, Matt Ryan's, you know, recalling the Shanahan lessons and it's it's sick. Yeah, go get Ridley if he's still available. Um, quick anecdote about Tyler Boyd. Last week, my girlfriend brilliantly picked him up. Sunday morning, I panic on her behalf and suggest that she drop him because Corey Grant was getting the start at running back 
Nailed it. Wars. <laughs> Nailed so, it. So instead of like 27 half point PPR points, she got 1.7 out of her flex uh, and lost, as and you lost. might imagine. Um, and with AJ Green uh, hurt, or at least playing. Yeah. Oh, that's true. Uh, someone hurt. Yeah, Boyd's gonna eat. But also, yeah. uh, as as uh, as I brought up last week, uh, and and Jeff, as you brought up the injuries to the Atlanta Falcons defense with Deion Jones and Keanu Neal being out, they they already were giving up uh, the most receptions to running backs for three consecutive years. Uh, week two, Christian McHack, Christian McCaffrey caught fourteen balls against them. Week three last week, Alvin Kamara caught. 15 balls against him. Whoever is starting for the Bengals, Nixon or Geo, it's probably Geo. 10 catches, book it. If you, yeah. if you can make a prop bet, they're going double digit catches. Any pass, even and anyone who can somewhat catch a pass and, and plays out of the backfield against the Falcons is going to rack up receptions. So fire up Geo too. And then our final game in the uh, final game of the week is the Baltimore Ravens taking on the Pittsburgh Steelers, was always. No matter how bad, however these two teams, their seasons go, uh, when these two teams play, it's always uh, a grind and a battle and an epic just bloodbath of emotion and aggression. So always going to be a good game. Uh, Nick, who are you liking in so, it? This one was tough, and I, and I just hate it. Um, they always play... <laughs> They always they, they they play they play low scoring games against each other because they just beat the hell out of each other. I'm I'm leaning away from that this year. I think that we've got a good chance that there's going to be high scoring on both sides because the Steelers can't play defense without Ryan Shazier. We're seeing that very clearly now, and the Ravens suddenly have a dynamic passing attack. So start. I hate this. I hate this so much. Start Javorius Allen. Yeah, um, baby. I, I think that there's a good chance. I heard you talking about this earlier this week. Um, I think that there's a good chance that Pittsburgh is going to jump out to an early lead. And uh, Javorius Buck Allen, he hates being called Buck, I guess. Uh, so Buck, I'm, I'm an Alex Collins trooper, so there you go. Uh, Buck Allen has 17 targets on the year. Collins only has nine, even though he's a good pass catcher, too. I don't understand what Harbaugh is doing. It's driving me insane. Um Start Javorius Allen. He's going to be targeted in the passing game. They're going to be playing from behind, I think. So he's got a good bet at, at getting a decent amount of touches, and they love playing him uh, at, inside the 20, inside the 10, and inside the 5. So start Javorius Allen, even though I hate it. And on that note, I'm doing my same sit sit your RB2 Alex Collins and maybe start him as a flex. The, the, he's so talented, but I think that that – early season fumble just messed him up in the eyes of the coaching staff. Although it was nice to see him get 18 carries last week and score against a great Denver defense. Still just game script, I think will favor Javorius Allen. And so, yeah, sit, sit Alex Collins. I hate that. I won't blame you if you start him. Um, or the easy one here is sit John Brown if he's hurt, uh, which don't be hurt, John Brown, because we all like watching you yeah, play football now that you're healthy. I would love to watch you just absolutely torch this Steelers defense <laughs> yes. that has looked terrible, and I need you to in one of my leagues. <laughs> that would just that would be brilliant. very nice, very nice to see. Well, there you go. There's all the start sit advice that you need on the week. So you're welcome, everyone. You're welcome for when you bench Gronk and he gets you 30 points on your bench. That's <laughs> you're. you're <laughs> You're welcome, everyone. Uh, make sure to uh, subscribe on iTunes and on Stitcher uh, and leave a review. Leave five stars because you love us. Um, thank you, Jeff, so much for jumping on the podcast. Thanks for having me, guys. It was a blast yeah, having so you on. Uh, you can follow Jeff. Are you on Twitter? Yes, at Gridironborn. Boom. There you go. That's at good. Gridironborn. You can follow myself at Pete M. Rogers. Follow uh, Nick at Ginger underscore underscore Nick without a K. Uh, and of course, follow the show. We're on Twitter too, at RB1 Podcast. Uh, and uh, have a good week for everyone. Best of luck to you and your fantasy matchups. And until we talk next week, uh, peace.